This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, I'm Martin Stark and welcome to the latest edition of the Total Saints podcast. It's where we gather together a panel of Saints experts to discuss all things relating to Southampton Football Club. And we stream each episode of GSP Live on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. So if you're watching along live on either of those platforms, you can get involved in the conversation using the comments section. Coming up this week on the podcast, it's the first win in the league since February. It wasn't pretty, but we'll dissect the win against Arsenal. And there are two games this week, so we'll preview the trips to Burnley on Thursday and Brighton at the weekend. First of all, let me introduce you to our TSP guests this week. Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web. How's your bank holiday weekend been, Steve? Oh, busy. Uh, <laughs> up and down the motorways. So I had a stag do oh, in lads, lads. Yeah, all right. on, <laughs> on th- uh, Thursday, Thursday and Friday, um, which uh, neatly coincided with uh, Sutton's away game at Mansfield. So yeah, uh, managed to get that game in, which is another excellent away win. And then, yeah, just the hideous driving up and down the M1 uh, took me took me five and a half hours to get to Nottingham on Thursday afternoon um, from South London. Three hours of which I think I think I, di- I don't even think I got north of London until gone two o'clock. It was just uh, horrific. Um, come come back was a lot better. Uh, straight straight down the uh, straight down the road for for our game yesterday. So uh, yeah, nice. Uh, it's been a been a good weekend football wise so far. Never fun traveling on a bank holiday weekend though, is it? That's the nah. thing. No. Uh, Glenn Delacour is the writer of the Weekly Saints blog, League One Minus 10. Uh, how's your weekend been, Glenn? You all right? Better Quiet. this week than last week? Yeah, I've just been living, living my best life of sleeping and walking the dogs, and that's been it. <laughs> yeah. Um, as Steve said, good weekend football-wise. There was a couple of other amusing results as well. Um, started off before the I was in the um, the chapel arms. I don't usually go in there before yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it was a big cheer when Brighton scored their last-minute winner against Spurs. And I, I, I thought it was a bit bit odd. You know, why are Saints fans? I look around, there's about four Arsenal fans Full in Arsenal. there. So that, <laughs> so that was quite amusing, um, especially afterwards after we... Um, we of course beat Arsenal, so um, so yeah, it was a good good day. Um, yeah, good day at the football on Saturday, and uh, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. And Dan Sheldon is joining us. Dan's the Athletics dedicated Saints reporter. How's your week been, Dan? You all good? Yeah, very well, thank you. All good. 
Good stuff. Uh, the biggest hello and thank you is reserved to our wonderful patrons, wherever you might be listening or watching this week. Uh, thank you for your support. And welcome to episode 194 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Before we get on to the game, just a little reminder that we're going to be hosting a live podcast in Southampton for our 200th episode. Now, the date is going to be Friday, the 27th of May. Doors will open at 7. The podcast will get underway at 8. We're going to be at the Five Rivers Sports Bar, which is in Beavers Valley in Southampton. It's going to be our little end of season roundup. The whole evening is going to be supporting the Saints Foundation. 100% of the ticket proceeds are going directly to the charity. If you're interested in coming along, uh, you might have booked your ticket already, which is great. But you can also find the link to the event in our description for the podcast and we're going to be sharing that on our socials over the next week or so. So what a contrast to last week's results. Uh, We were promised a different setup and a reaction and we certainly got that against Arsenal. Steve it wasn't a classic but was that just what we needed? Um, Yeah I mean I think coming up against a side who seems to have forgotten how to score goals is quite helpful and yeah I mean you you could tell that there that there was a sort of renewed unity in the team there was a we were actually playing as a unit there was while we weren't uh, pressing particularly high um which seemed to be by design um you could tell that everyone was very conscious of uh, making sure they were in the right place at the right time uh, more often than not so um yeah already they'd they'd already surpassed the very low bar that that people had set for them um the previous week and yeah and and we t- we took a took a chance when when one fell our way and i mean i don't think i'd be i'd be slightly surprised and concerned if anybody um sort of of any importance kind of dressed that dressed the performance up as being anything special in terms of the way we played and us as an attacking unit because we were largely kind of anonymous for for most of the game really mm. but i think just getting the getting that monkey off the back after last week was probably more important and actually even even the result probably wasn't necessarily um that high in in terms of priorities it was just making sure that we were actually doing what what the um the system was designed to do and for the most part that that kind of worked kind of worked pretty well i mean if if um Fraser Forster hadn't put in uh, put in that performance or if arsenal had been a little bit better in front of goal then maybe we still lose that game anyway but no win's a win and take the take the three points and um be happier that it's um arsenal fans uh, pulling their hair out this weekend as opposed to us and not us. I don't think any of us really saw that result coming yesterday, Glenn. But if we played like that every week, it'd be pretty dull. But, you know, a win's a win and it, it's kind of what we needed. Definitely. Um, I mean, the whole performance was as a was a reaction to the Chelsea game. It was all about defensive shape out of possession. So we didn't leave the gap between the defence and the midfield that Mason Mount basically stood in with 30 yards all around him the previous week. So that gap wasn't there. I felt a bit sorry for Armando Brozier up front because he was the very definition of a, a lone striker. Yeah, if, he got, if he got the ball, we didn't have a Saints player within about 30 yards of him most of the time. You could tell that Elianusi and Armstrong, who were the two who were supposed to be closest to him, were really concentrating on keeping in a line with um, Romeo and War prowse So, uh, you know, uh, Brozier did a good, as good a job as he could have done with the, with the, with the service he had and the support he had. So, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I've got to big up Ralph really, because he, that's not the way he wants to play, you know, in an ideal world, he wants us to 
press high and win the ball high. And and that was the complete opposite because when we lost the ball, we just we just dropped back into shape. Whether it was totally a reaction to last week or whether that was something he thought could work against this Arsenal team, I don't know. At the end of the day, the end the end justified the means and, and everyone's happy. But I, I agree with Steve. Most people would have been happy with just a performance that wasn't shocking. And to get the result out of it was was, was an absolute positive. And um, and there was some yeah there was some good performance good performances obviously Forster but you know all the yeah. all the back three yeah put put their hand up I thought and, and everyone everyone else just worked incredibly hard. You you couldn't give them all nine out of ten or anything like that because they didn't do much with the ball as we've said. But you know there there was there was some really good concentration everyone would have come off absolutely knackered from that because it was just that sort of game where you had to you had to concentrate the whole time but you know it's not it's not just Forster I'd um I'd big up the, the whole of the back three as well so I thought they were excellent yeah we'll get on to that starting lineup in in just a sec Dan was that the perfect response after last week Ralph said it was going to be a bit more defensive I don't think we quite realized how defensive it was going to be but there was that togetherness that perhaps was was lacking last week yeah I, to be honest I don't think there's much more I can add that Steve and Glenn haven't already said I think it was obviously the perfect response that they they beat Arsenal and kept a clean sheet in the process having conceded six times against Chelsea and as we've all kind of said it, it should have been more than six um for me, again, I mean the result. The result was secondary. I just wanted to see Southampton turn up, put put some effort in, and actually, you know, display a coherent plan. And yeah, while it left a lot to be desired going forward, and Ralph even kind of admitted after the game that that's not normally what he likes to see from his team. But ultimately, he had to do it. He had to. There had to be a response. And if if it meant kind of not playing expansive football or pressing high, then then so be it. And as as Glenn said, the end, you know, the end justified the means, didn't it? So, yeah, uh, Glenn, just talking about that starting lineup, it was pretty much the one that you called on Friday. Was I think I saw a tweet from you on Friday saying these are the people that I'd like to see start tomorrow, and then like blow me, they did. Yeah, more or less. Intel. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it was insightfulness. I was actually thinking about what we what we talked about last week um, about it needs to be shaken up a little bit, but it's got to be. Not just for the sake of it, it, you know, it's got to be players who who have not done badly in their, mm. you know, their time on the pitch. And uh, you know, I thought the the guys that came in, I mean, Valerie, Jan Valerie, he made the one mistake in the first half, which nearly led to a goal. And that's that's his thing. He, he has a decent performance, but he's in that. It's similar to Jack Stevens in many ways. There's one major Rick every game, mm. and he's still young enough to get that out of his game. But you know, he's he. Um, to be maybe he's not quite ready to be a first team starter every week, but I, you know, I, I thought he did well apart from that. I thought Lianco was tremendous. Just he, the, the lad obviously wants to defend first and foremost. That's that's what he likes doing. He's not too bothered about the you know the flashy side of things. He just wants to defend, and and um, it's the character he brings to the team. It, it's just you know celebrating every tackle. I mean, it's a bit it's a bit silly sometimes, but you know, celebrating every tackle, every good bit of play from anybody else, he's round high fiving them. They must get fed up with him, but he's you know, he's just he's just a good lad. And to to bring him into to bring him into the team, it just it just adds something, you know, a little bit of leadership if you like. But I think I've said the word already. Character. Were, were you it, surprised that he played ninety minutes? Because I, I thought he's he's going to come off at a moment. He's, he's not was played one, enough. There was one bit where, bearing in mind he did his hamstring, there was one bit where he was sprinting back against, I think it was Martinelli in the right back position. And it was a real proper sprint for about 40 yards. And I'm thinking he's just going to twang here and end up in a heap. Yeah. Um, I think playing play centre-half, I think if you're a central midfielder or something or a winger, then 
playing probably 90 minutes is hard as a centre-half, especially in the middle of a back three. It's probably not the most sort of physically demanding. I'm sure he'd disagree with that. So, but he got um, he got through the game relatively well and he looked he looked pretty fresh at the end. So uh, I hope he gets a run of games, to be honest, because because he deserves it. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, and Jan, Jan Bednarek, who I... You know, we've we've talked about him. He's had some dodgy games. He's a, he has one good game, then he has two dodgy ones. You know, he he looked more comfortable in a three, even though he was on the left hand side. And I don't think that's necessarily where he'll play long term. But you know, I thought he he did a decent job. And mate, I know for the Polish national team, they play three across the back, so he's he's used to that. Maybe maybe that's a way, that's a way forward to get to get the best out of him. But uh, so, maybe, so maybe yeah, given, I mean, the, given the fact that his head was in uh, in the Polish yeah, yeah. national squad rather than playing Man City, maybe that, You're not that, was, let that go, of, maybe that was our way of getting his getting his head back in the Saints game. He was all yeah, right. What, what did you make of the starting lineup, Stephen? And when you saw that sort of come through at two o'clock, were you like, yeah, this is what we need. This is going to be all right, or were you, you kind of going scratching your head and thinking how that was going to work? No, it kind of looked fine. Um, I mean, we've we've played three at the back. Well, five at the back. It was a proper five, um, wasn't it? As well, a few a few times against against the better sides in this league and it's and it's worked quite well in terms of shutting down the obvious um channels where quite often we struggle a little bit because um we tend to leave too much space uh between the center back and the and whichever fullbacks alongside them whereas with the five um there's obviously automatically less space for them to to be able to pass through that lane but no i i thought i thought that system made made sense Personally, actually, I might have gone with Che Adams up front because I think A, he's got a little bit more experience, but B, I think he's, while he's he's a little bit shorter in stature, I think he's slightly better than Brozier at holding the ball up. Yeah. Um, and maybe he'd have been able to um, hold it up for a little bit longer because, I mean, the problem we had, particularly second half, was that um, we cleared, cleared the ball the way long and it would just, I mean, we'd... If Brozier got it got a touch on it, it would be a bonus. But then mm-hmm. the ball would just just be coming straight back at us. Yeah. Um, whereas I think Adams probably gives you a little bit more, a little bit more strength in in that situation where he might be able to at least hold a defender off for ten seconds and then lay it off to a teammate. Um, whereas the ball yes yesterday was largely just bouncing off, bouncing off somebody and going falling straight to an Arsenal Arsenal foot or out play for a throw in. I mean there there are a few kicks that forced to put straight into touch which were a little bit frustrating but you could it was all see, quite predictable where it was going to go wasn't you, it every time you, you could you could see you could see where he was aiming though at least mm. one thing i found interesting with forster actually was that he was deliberately whenever he was kicking it from the left hand side of the penalty area he was deliberately kicking it with his left foot even under under no particular challenge so it seems as if he's I don't know whether he's been working on some particular aspects of his game where he's now able to kick sort of dead straight without any any sort of fade or um, or swerve on the ball with with his weaker foot, which which kind of gives him gives him a little bit more room to play with, I guess, um, before a, a striker comes and and sort of closes the space down. But that was that was could that be his injury, Dan? Because that was the thing, wasn't it, Dan? I know how much you love talking about Fraser Forster and the goalkeeping situation, but I know that Ralph said afterwards about the the injury and perhaps he wasn't going to play at, at some point. Yeah, um, he said that Fraser had a limped out of training early basically on Friday uh, with an ankle issue up until I think Saturday morning Ralph didn't think Fraser was going to play and Caballero was going to be starting in goal but Ralph kind of paid tribute to the the physios and medics who managed to patch Fraser up and and off he went and put in that performance I mean whether that had anything to do with the 
the kicking the or kicking. not. I, I don't yeah. know. Um, so people will now obviously start talking about his contract again. And you've written about this, Dan. You've spoken about this. There's, there's not going to be any word on, on that from the club anytime soon, is there? That's going to be a decision for the summer, I guess. It doesn't matter how well he plays against Chelsea and, and Arsenal. Well, I, I mean, I've written about it again <laughs> for tomorrow. So, yeah, I mean, let's talk about it. Um, yeah, I think it it hasn't changed in, in the sense of, obviously, we know Alex has got his contract and now everyone knows Fraser's out of contract and whether you know, Ralph is quite coy on it. He said, you know, we're always in negotiations. And I, I did press him on this yesterday when he said, you know, we are in negotiations after I asked about Fraser. I said about his contract, specifically about Fraser's contract. And he didn't say yes to that. So I imagine they're still kind of waiting, waiting to see what happens. And that's a position, you know, they can be in. And I think for Fraser, it, it's clear to me that he is, I mean, he's he's reaching a level that he's, not reached for for quite some time I think and is he inspired by the fact he's out of contract possibly I think he's got nothing to lose at this point is he I mean he's got everything to gain and nothing to lose if he doesn't get his contract at Southampton I'm sure other clubs would be looking at you know some of his performances in the second half of this season and thinking he could do a job for us as a number Mm -hmm. two or even as a number one um, for a newly promoted team or whatever so he can kind of go out there and play with with no pressure uh, in in some regard but then at the same time he has to earn that contract and you don't want to get too reactive or too emotional about it but mm. he's doing everything he can I mean Ralph said yesterday look he's putting so many good arguments forward to earn a new contract and I think we can only sit here and agree with that that yesterday felt like a moment to me where if he is to get one I think yesterday's performance would be the point where the, the kind of tide changed in his favour yeah, be interesting to see what happens. Um, Glenn, let's have a little word about his performance yesterday. Um, what was the best save for you? Was it the the Saka one? Because just in terms of the timing, if if we go behind, then it's difficult to to come back, isn't it? That was a, a great one, and I know the the other save in the second half would have been well, down your end. I'd I'd given up the Saka one, you know. I, I was like, goal, damn, yeah, you know. Um, but Saka should have kept it low, obviously, and he he put it. You know, he he put it at a savable height, but for for Forster to react and get that away from the goal was ridiculous. You know, it just seemed. I mean, I've seen the replay now, and it, it is relatively close. So, so for him to have the reactions to sort of get that away from the goal was remarkable. The the two saves that that were directly in front of me in the second half, the one from Smith Rowe, that was mm-hmm. kind of behind him um, and going in, but Smith Rowe didn't hit it particularly well. And that that gave him the chance, but that was a different kind of save because he showed real good sort of real good feet for such a big guy to you know most a lot of goalkeeping is about getting across the goal and you and your foot movement and to to get a couple of good steps in before he took off and saved that was an exceptional save, and and I also like the one from Granite Xhaka in the second half, which was actually going wide. I think yeah. just about, yeah. but it would have been inches, you know, that was another really, really good save. I mean, they do tend to go over the top when talking about saves, you know, there were, there were two, two brilliant ones in there and, and the rest, you know, if you'd let them in, you'd have been disappointed sort of thing, but mm. you've still got to keep them out. And, and he did that and you, you can't, you can't criticize it. I think his, his kicking on the whole was, was very, very good. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, the contract thing is, is really interesting because, you know, Dan said there they don't you don't want to be too reactive um if the story about McCarthy's contract is is to be believed which you know we largely think it is it sounds like they've already been slightly too reactive too early so you know 
so they either don't want to make another mistake or they're trying to undo it or or whatever but mm-hmm. it's an interesting one because i mean it's it's either not going to look very good from a fan's point of view because like for example if if we announce tomorrow that Fraser's leaving and McCarthy's our number one choice next year that's going to go down like a lead balloon if we announce that we've got the same two goalkeepers again on first team goalkeeper salaries next year then I can't imagine Toby Steele's going to be we haven't addressed the problem, um, we? Yeah. Counting, yeah. you know he's, he's not yeah. going to be terribly happy about the fact that we've we've got the same situation again that we've been sort of worried about for the last sort of two years so yeah it is going to be really interesting to see how it, how it how it plays out I think, I, think, I think there's an argument I, well I would say the club could have avoided that problem with kind of announcing Alex now and with Fraser playing so well or just announce Alex's contract when he signed it I mean yeah. if they just announced yeah, yeah. it last year you wouldn't there would be no debate now the debate would be oh shall we give you know should we oh you know Fraser right there would just I don't think that debate would necessarily be there it makes yeah. it even um, harder now every time Fraser's come in yeah, and okay, he, I didn't think he was great against Leeds, but it sounds silly. But he was obviously very good against Chelsea and was good against Arsenal. It's kind of like they've created that problem by just not announcing Alex. They're in a yeah, situation I, I where, yeah, they, I mean, this is created off their own back, in my opinion, with mm. the Forster and Alex. Situation. Well, yeah, they were just trying to weirdly media manage it, weren't they? It's just like, I mean, you've you've announced a contract. Well, just you've signed a contract. It, yeah. Just yeah. announce it. Yeah, what's the mm-hmm. big deal? Vic Nor was watching on YouTube says we need to give Fraser the contract, but Mark says until next week when he drops a clanger, because of course we're quite fickle when it comes to these things. The guy well, behind I, me was berating him for, also, for all his free kicks that were going out, his goal kicks going out. Let, let's not forget, kind of, if we had this discussion two years ago, I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd say all three of you would have said we need to get Fraser out of this club. I mean, he's yeah. draining our wages. Mm-hmm. It, it's one of them. I mean, the, the club have been desperate to offload him yeah. for you know three of three out of the five years. He's, he's had a contract there so I mean I don't know it, it's a really kind of nuanced situation it's it's fascinating really yeah uh, Steve let's just chat about the other players that came in obviously Jan Valerie, Yanko, uh, Perot as well um, some some really good performances in there yesterday yeah I thought Perot was um, quietly very solid and I think just having having a left footer on the left in that situation does just give you so much more balance I mean there, there was I mean, obviously, as we've as we've said, we we offered pretty much nothing as an attacking force for the vast majority of the game. But um, just his, because it's his side, the positional awareness you naturally have in that situation just just gives you just gives you more reassurance. I think more than anything. Um, I mean, Walker Peters has done a great job when he's when he's had to play over that side. But I think Walker, I mean, Walker Peters is still a better player on the right hand side. Mm. Um, and as we said last week, Tino's been having a having a bit of an off off time of it the last probably month or so. Um, needed a spell out, out of the side. And yeah, I mean, uh, Walker Peters and, and Perro were absolutely fine on in in those those positions. So yeah, I mean, it's the end of the day. We, we knew we had three good options in, in fullback positions. And yeah, ably, dem- ably demonstrated this weekend. Hmm. Uh, Glenn, a word on the goal. Um, was that your end? Ben White playing everybody on side. I hadn't noticed yeah. that until afterwards, by the way. It was like a hopeful overhead from Perot, wasn't it? Like, he wasn't even looking, was he? You no, know, just like, oh, let's just yeah. whack it no. back and hope someone. Fair play to Elianusi for keeping that alive, but what a time to score. Yeah, and it was completely unexpected, obviously. And I mean, it looked like it looked like Perot was sticking to the game plan of don't mess up. Just clear, just get, get rid away. of the ball, hook it over your shoulder, and then we'll worry about it later. Yeah, I mean the the main sort of credit for the goal goes to Elianusi for keeping it keeping it alive because you know, and he he hooked it back in into an area, and I didn't realise until I saw it on the TV what a good finish it was. 
from from Bednarek. I thought he'd shinned it. To be honest, it looked like you know the old left foot swinger, and it's gone off his shin and um, and gone in. But he's he's made a really good connection with it, and that's what's um, that's what's done Ramsdale. I don't know whether if you're being exceptionally harsh, should Ramsdale have, stop, have stopped it? Possibly, he's kind of pushed it into the net, but it is it has been smashed at him from from fairly close. Yeah, but Ben White's contribution is um, is great because he like he like lies on the ground in the goal, can't decide whether he's injured or not. You know, first instinct is to just lie there, and then he he gets back up and plays everyone on side. So, uh, cheers, Ben. I tell you what, that's interesting. Ben White, he's always listed as an ex Saints youth player. I never even realised. <laughs> I honestly didn't realise until he made his England debut that he'd ever been sort of like in our academy or anything like at, that. At fourteen, I think he left. He left us. He was oh, was it? It was a long time yeah. ago. Like yeah, yeah, Mings, re- released. Sort of yeah, released very young. But I actually don't think the don't think the off the the offside thing actually mattered because El Yanusi came from way be, way yeah. sort of um, further on. And because it was then a second phase, Bednarak wouldn't be offside Yeah, um, from the pullback. Um, I did actually wonder whether El Yanusi had actually kept it in play because there's one angle on the TV where it looks very like it's quite borderline. Mm. Um, and you'd think that a combination of VAR, and I don't know whether the goal line tech gives you anything across the goal line or whether it's just between the width of the posts as well, um, whether they might have checked that, but um, I assume not. We spoke last week, Dan, about it being a good time to play Arsenal. And when Cedric's on free kicks, um, as you pointed out yesterday... <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> was, when did he think that he's James Ward-Prowse? Uh, I mean, I thought he was... It, it, he got a lot of stick yesterday, which I thought was unnecessary. But um, it wasn't a great display for I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and that was then I sent a tweet. And genuinely, up until that point, the, the two loudest cheers did go when he kicked the ball straight out of play from from crosses i mean that free kick was just was terrible wasn't it i mean it was so bad very bad glenn, got you hooked, were, didn't he before the hour mark didn't you he? booed him glenn was that you was it me one just me and <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, i sit i sit in the family section so i've got lots of kids around me so i try not to um <laughs> try not to be too vocal i was talking about time. cedric to our arsenal one of the arsenal guys there and it is actually, when you like Kasha, I'd forgotten, but they signed him on loan and he was injured at the time. Mm-hmm. So he, he wasn't fit when he went there. And then they gave him a four-year contract. Yeah, mind-blowing. He, hadn't, he had hardly played. It, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? That, well, it's because, I mean, it's fair, because, fair of, his, because of his agent, wasn't it? Because yeah. Yeah. his agent's Kia Jarabchin, who at the time was basically dictating Arsenal's transfer policy. Yeah, there were. I was lit, when I left the ground. There were two fans in front of me moaning about the fact that they signed him, and maybe they could have gone for someone like Carl Walker Peters. Um, never going to happen. I mean, yeah, no, Spurs, Spurs are definitely going to sell a kid to Arsenal. Aren't they? <laughs> um, Done that before, haven't they? <laughs> the other thing, I guess, the key for us now is going to be keeping the clean sheet and and maybe playing with the three at the back and just trying to be a bit better going forward and a bit more yeah. expansive because because that's going to be the the struggle, isn't it? That, you don't that, want three at the back against Burnley. Sorry to interrupt. I mean, that it was it like was very it was a very Burnley performance, wasn't it? That's the thing. Five at the back, one up front. And uh, yeah, we don't want to see it every week, but it, it's it's a foundation, I suppose, isn't it? It's, I mean, a, it's, it's a foundation for a game like that. But after it's, the results it's, we've it, had. Yeah, and, and, and against that sort of opponent who are going to play an open attacking style and it, you you know that you've kind of got a, to an extent, I mean, not quite to the extent of batting down the hatches, but mm. certainly be, be more much more watchful than you would necessarily have to be against a side like Burnley for example I mean obviously going to discuss Thursday shortly mm. but the I mean I'll be amazed if we um, amazed and slightly 
slightly annoyed if we if we try the same uh, try the same uh, system and and tactics on uh, on Thursday that we did yesterday. But maybe Liverpool, Leicester, end of season, we might see that trotted out again. Liverpool certainly. I mean, less. I mean, that game's now going to be moved presumably to the midweek before the last game of the season, uh, which I think is the only slot that Liverpool have got available now. Mm. And so, therefore, we're basically now gonna we're now in position to replicate what Crystal Palace did, um, and basically um, end their title hopes. So that's our, that's our motivation. Just, just or <laughs> <laughs> or if they need seven goals, <laughs> oh God of honour, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's get on to the uh, the Burnley game then, because it was two all at St Mary's back in October. Um, Glenn, you can start with this one. They've made the change. Um, oh, no. Sean Dyche, it's been 10 good years. Um, Sean Dyche, rest in peace. Uh, the single biggest reason that they've stayed up every year. And uh, and he's gone just before we get onto the, the Saints side. That it doesn't make sense, does it? Did any of us this week, when we saw that that news, just go, oh, yeah, I can see why they've done that? Um, no. Um, you know, I'm, I'm ne- never... A- I'm never a fan of Sean Dyche when we're playing them or about to play them or just mm. after we played them. But when you take yourself out and look at what he's achieved at a club that size, it, it's it's absolutely remarkable. They don't spend any money or hardly spend any money. And he's been brilliant. He's kept, I don't know how many consecutive seasons. I know he got relegated once and he brought them straight back up. This is seven, and I think, this year. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy that they've um, they've got rid of him. But... You know, a combination of the new owner they've got there and being where they are, it makes it not a surprise. But I, I actually think it, I actually think it's a shame. And I kind of, when I saw it, I thought, I don't, that makes me really annoyed and I hope they get relegated. And then I remembered it was them or Everton. Everton, so, so you want them both to get Everton can get in the bin. And uh, yeah, I kind of hope Burnley stay up. But, uh, but I, I, I think they've made it more difficult for themselves. I mean, they had a decent result today. Uh, away at West Ham, played quite I, well as well. To be fair, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna. What they're gonna. You know, obviously they're gonna bring in someone else. You would have thought whether that'll make any difference for thir- or whether it be done by Thursday. Whether it'll make any difference. You you would think that sacking a manager at this time, you've got someone lined up mm-hmm. because if you're just gonna give it to, uh, is it Mike Jackson, the guy? Mm. You know, if you're just gonna do that, that's probably not the most inspiring. What what difference is? Are they going to be in in your results and your performances? Just promoting the number two sort of thing. So um, yeah, at this stage, so I, I I feel a bit sorry for Sean Dyche, but I'm sure he'll be sat in the pub watching the game, eating a pie with gravy on it or whatever. Pub Someone named after him. Pub named yeah. after him. Yeah, I think Glenn, you said last year or last time we played them, you know that they're never going to carve you open with brilliant football. So you've just got to do the basics yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Is it going to be the same on on Thursday, Steve? We know what, regardless of the manager. Um, we kind of know what game we're going to get away at Burnley, don't we? I think so, yeah. And I mean, I think the atmosphere there is going to be interesting to see how the fan reaction is to, because I, I imagine, um, I imagine the fan reaction in Burnley has probably been, uh, what the hell are we doing? Hmm. Um, especially, there's if, been talk of a protest on Thursday before the game. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, for for what I think there's a, there's a recognition that I mean, it's a it's a town where you can fit the entire population into Wembley with space. And for, for the job he's done to keep them in the top flight for whatever it is, seven seven years, as well as, I mean, at the end of the day, if they go down, who would have been better to get them back up than mm. the guy who's, I think he's managed two seasons of Burnley in the championship and they've lost a total of 10 games. So, I mean, there's there's kind of nobody better suited to getting them back up if they did go down in 
um, eventually anyway. So yeah, I mean, seeing how how the fans react and whether it's whether it suddenly turns into a less supportive atmosphere that might work work in our favour, or you you end up with this the sort of backs against the wall sort of right. Let's just make this a cauldron atmosphere, in which case we could could be under under a spell of pressure. But I don't know. I mean, they they were they were decent against Burnley against West Ham today, but I mean West Ham clearly expended a lot of energy in France in midweek, mm. made a lot of changes, and yeah, didn't didn't quite do enough but i think at the end of the day burnley is still third bottom for a very good reason so we should be going there with the intent of winning the game as opposed to what we've been doing the last couple in terms of just surviving and you've just got to make just got to make the most of the opportunities because they will give you some ben me's out for the foreseeable as far as i'm aware given that he's on the coaching staff now for sort of in this interim period um so it's tarkowski and uh, Nathan Collins, I think they signed from Stoke last year, um, who looks quite useful. But Tarkowski's out of contract in the summer, um, so I kind of wonder where where his head's going to be at in the next month or two when it's when he starts getting um, getting phone calls from uh, prospective new employers and things like mm-hmm. that. But I don't know. Um, let's go at them and see and see what happens. Hit them hard early, like we've done in a lot of games this season, and I think all of a sudden that gives you gives you gives you the impetus. Yeah, it's a long trip for you on a Thursday, Dan. You're going to be hoping that we don't start with a back five again and <laughs> at least get a few shots on target. Yeah, most certainly. I agree with Steve. I think it has the potential, I think, to be a real kind of cauldron for Burnley. But then if it's a horrible cliche, but if Southampton come out and they come out quick and they do get that kind of first goal, then they get a, you know an early goal and then another one. Mm. I mean, that place will just go mm. toxic very, very quickly, I imagine, because like, all of the anger towards ALK and Alan Pace will then I'm sure come out and that will obviously you know the, the players will hear that that will affect them so for Southampton it is just I'll, I'll ditch the back five and just mm. go and be aggressive be in Burnley's faces put them under pressure they're going to be under pressure that's fine Southampton have better players than Burnley so put them under more pressure um, and hopefully you know if Brozier plays he can kind of rediscover his his, his scoring touch and yeah it I think it's a great time to play Burnley. I really do. They're, they're on the ropes. I think Everton have got a game in hand, haven't they? Or one or two games in hand? Just the one, I think. Yeah. Just the mm. one, but they're four points ahead. Mm. Three now. After three. Three, yeah. right. So, I mean, the, the, the pressure will be on, but Southampton just have to take advantage of mm. that situation. I'm more confident going into it now than I would have been if Sean Dyche was still in charge. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and Glenn, does yesterday kind of like act as a bit of a reset? So right, we've kept a clean sheet, so it's it's okay now to to, to bring some of the, the other players back in. You know, if we'd have lost yesterday, then we'd all be calling out for changes again, and we'd be searching for that first win since February. So yeah, it's it, it kind of like the reset button's been pressed. The three points takes the pressure off a little bit because if we'd have lost yesterday, then it would have been whatever it seven <laughs> seven games without a win. Doesn't bear and, about, does it? And then getting beat by Burnley wouldn't have been terribly clever either, but. As it is, we can we can go into this game with a bit more um, a bit more relaxed, and um, but obviously not too relaxed because it's just going to be a battle from the first minute. I mean, I will say Burnley have maybe maybe this is why they're down at the bottom. They do seem to have played a little bit more football this season. Um, with Cornet seems a good player, and uh, Cornet, how you pronounce He's it? He's the one, isn't he? He's the one. Yeah, you, you just got to play him out the game. But but you know, against that they've they've replaced Chris Wood with that six foot nine giant geezer from Holland, um, Weghorst. So, uh, and he's been playing up front with Joe Rodriguez. So that that's not the most subtle uh, forward line. But Corne and um, 
uh, he's the other guy, O'Neill. They're um, McNeil. Sorry, they're um, they're decent players. So it's not it's not all bang it out the middle to the big guy and hope for the best. So, but you, you just have to do the basics and yeah. And we have to put them under pressure. You, if, if you allow the fullbacks or the wide players to sling crosses in, you know, under no pressure, then you're in, then you're going to create problems for yourself. So we have to get at them a little bit. We have to get, we can't play like we did yesterday and just, just sit back. Cause um, yeah, 26% possession or whatever it was, isn't sustainable. I don't see why we can't go there and, um, and put up a decent performance, but okay. uh, I think, I think Burnley have only had two games this season where they've had um, more than half the possession. Yeah. Um, so if they have 75 against us, there's something deeply wrong. <laughs> so, so we've all agreed it's a good time to be playing Burnley. So what are we going to go for predictions? Glenn, do you want to go first? Um, needless to say, none of us called the Arsenal game, um, but that's fine. So um, we've got two two bites of the cherry this week with two games. So um, prediction for Burnley first, Glenn. I will go for a 1-0 win. 1-0 win. Dan, how do you see this one going? Uh, let's be optimistic. 3-1 Southampton. 3-1. Nice. Uh, Steve? Um, I'll go in the middle. 2-0. 2-0. Happy days. And then uh, it's Brighton at the Amex. Now, it was one all at St. Mary's back in December. This was the, the fateful game, 10 minutes to go against 10 men, 1-0 up. What could possibly go wrong when Alex McCarthy picked up his injury? Um, it's going to be different than that this time around, isn't it, Steve? They've been pretty dreadful at the at the Amex. They're, I mean, they've, they've gone back to what they were last season in that they tend to play quite well in, or sort of visually seem to play quite well in games, but they'll have like 30 shots in the game and have a combined xg of like 0.3 because mm. they're because sh- they're kind of losing losing any confidence to get the ball into good areas and in the end just resort to taking pot shots from 30 yards a little bit like what arsenal did at times uh yesterday actually but i mean they're I mean, Brighton are a, such a weird team in that they are basically a, a proper centre forward away from being genuinely quite a good team. But without that, it puts so much pressure on the on the defence to keep teams out. So they they kind of rely on rely on little moments. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, they've gone they've gone to Spurs and went and won one nil uh, yesterday, which I um, mean didn't watch the game, but by the sound of it was absolutely deserved. Um, yeah, it was. Spurs didn't Spurs didn't even get a shot on target. I don't think. Mm. And yet they can also lose at home to Burnley. Um, they could draw at home to Norwich. And yeah, I mean, I, th- I think their their setup probably works slightly better away from home. I mean, their form at the Amex over the last three years, I think, has been pretty atrocious. So that's another one that you've got to you've got to look at and think. Well, as long as we can, as long as we don't do anything stupid. Hmm. I mean, obviously, that's a that's a very obvious hold my beer moment. But um, <laughs> as long as you don't do anything stupid, then there's an opportunity for three points and it's a case of, okay, whether, whether the initial storm that they'll probably throw at us, because they're, they're an energetic side, they'll want to be getting at us mm. and they'll think that we're, I mean, they'll, they'll be having similar conversations. I imagine on, on total seagulls podcast saying that, <laughs> is that um, a thing? I, I've no idea. Um, <laughs> I'm going to Google it later. <laughs> part, part of our new franchise um, <laughs> where, the, where they'll be saying, well, Southampton have crap defensively, get at them and, and force them back. And then, and then you'll be able to, you'll be able to create chances and score goals against them. That's what they're, that's, that'll be their, their angle. Mm. And we've basically got to basically just hold them off on that front whilst then looking to um, do the same ourselves. 
And it's a bit of a mini league now, isn't it, Daniel? Because the the, the the ambition will still be to finish as high as possible because of obviously the prize money. But you've got that little mini league with Brighton and Brentford Palace, um, Villa to a certain extent, and we're still within a point of, of Brighton. So they're going to want to win this because we've talked about um, keeping the players motivated. And I think yesterday probably really helped with that. I think so, yeah. And I think we, we all said, didn't we, a few weeks ago, we just want, you want Southampton to be better than the rest of the teams that they do compete with. I think Southampton are never going to be a team that finishes sixth, but you want them to finish above Brighton. I think Brentford have played a game more than, than Saints have. So that that should that could work in kind of the club's favour. But yeah, it's going to make it interesting because tenth still very is still very much up for grabs and beating Brighton would obviously go a long well, not a long way, but we certainly won't do Saints any damage in in doing that. Um I'm struggling to get excited for, for any of no, the games at the moment. Just, it's just yeah. one of them, isn't it? I mean, I think, I don't know, was it you, Martin, that said, or maybe it was Ben, I'm not sure. Someone said that it kind of goes from the race to race to 8th to ninth to 10th to 11th. Yeah. We're down to 10th now, aren't we? So, yeah. I mean, fingers crossed. <laughs> it's going to be about finishing better than, than last year, really, Glenn. Um, but if we can't win at the Amex, you know, there's got to be, we, we've got to get three points there, haven't we? Well, we have a decent record there. I've been to the last two wins there. Decent away day, year. yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all right, and they're 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 very um they're a very friendly bunch actually. The Brighton fans, there's never any issue there, you know, whatsoever. So uh, yeah, fair play to them. They're an interesting team, as as Steve has alluded to. Haven't they beaten beaten Arsenal and Spurs away from home? Yep, recently. Uh, they, yeah, yeah, li- literally in the last week. Yeah, yeah, but, they, yeah, yeah. but they can't they can't win at home, and that. That will play on your. That always plays on your mind if it's if it's a close game going into mm. the last half an hour. That 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 is just something that plays on every team's mind. I've seen it with us before, mm. where we haven't, we haven't won at home for six games or whatever, and you you just you just see everybody going back, and you end up defending your six yard line and all that sort of stuff, and it it just um it just never seems to end well. So again, similar to Burnley. It, if if we put them under pressure, I I think they they will struggle a little bit. They they never in games that I've seen them play recently, you know against us, they've never seemed that threatening. You know they they never have the sort of big chances and stuff like that. It's only when we tend to sort of give them stuff. So it's another game where if we concentrate properly in def, in defence, I I don't see them being particular. You know that's another hold my beer moment. As, uh, <laughs> this is all going to come back to Bournemouth. They've won five Premier League games since the end of September. Yeah, mm. yeah, they had a really good start, didn't they? When they top yeah. of the league after three games or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, let's do August champions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's do score prediction, Steve. Um, score prediction for for Brighton. One all, I reckon. Um, yeah, <laughs> That's I, a size, I, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I kind of it's one it's one of those. I think we've we've still got a defensive ricket in us, and we can't possibly go three games in a row without one. Yeah. Okay. Dan, Brighton score two one shorter journey for you so that's uh much better journey much better journey yeah and uh glenn <sighs> um i was gonna say one one i have to say but i'm not going to because steve said that so uh, yeah i'll go for one nil win again <laughs> a one nil win right nice one quick mention on the the women's team uh they won today six one against plymouth which is great they had a brilliant win midweek as well three games left to play uh six points clear of ipswich they've played one more game as well so saints can win the division if they avoid defeat against pompey uh, which is at st mary's on wednesday tickets are three quid i've bought a couple of tickets it's like we've got to go and watch this if they win the league though steve it's not automatic promotion is it you were explaining this to me earlier uh no so so the uh the national league that they're in basically that's the third tier 
um, in English women's football. And there's only one promotion place up to the uh, championship, uh, but there's a North and a South division in the National League. Uh, Wolves have already wrapped up the title by a country mile in the North division. Uh, so there'll be a playoff against uh, Wolves, assuming we win, we win this title. And I think I saw on Twitter earlier that that final was due to be played at uh, Edgeley Park, Stockport. Oh, right. Um, which seems a slightly odd choice, but um, I assume it was one that was available and willing to host the game. So, um, uh, yeah, so that'll be, I think, in about three or four weeks' time. So it's, just a, one-off, so it's just a one-off game. It's not a two-legged it's a, thing. It's a final, yeah. That's it's mad. Promotion it, is, final. it is madness, isn't it? Because we've had the, the season, We've, I guess Wolves will be thinking the same. They've had the season yeah. that they've yeah. had. They've been runaway league winners and it might count for nothing. So Both teams should get promoted, end of... Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a good game on Wednesday night. So, um, yeah, good luck to that. And hopefully we can uh, celebrate that success next week. Before we say goodbye, a massive shout out to all our loyal and much-loved patrons. We've got our Matt Letizia tier, Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Phil Cook and Nick Higston. In our Francis Benali tier, there's Nick Reed, Matt Hall and David Melton. You can find out more about becoming a TSP patron and all the benefits that come with it by checking out the website. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks, Dan. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and your bank holiday tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, enjoy the trip to Burnley on Thursday. <laughs> uh, don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening. Uh, on the socials, it's at Total Saints Pod on Twitter and Facebook. You can get in touch via the website as well. And also, don't forget the TSP 200, the live show, which is going to be happening on Friday, the 27th of May. That's at the Five Rivers Sports Bar in support of the Saints Foundation. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you again soon. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.